At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. On Thursday, February 24th, Russian troops started to cross into Ukraine, bringing with them destruction, death, chaos, the very curse of war. Since then, more than a million Ukrainians have fled, but many have returned to become part of a new civilian army. One of my colleagues in the radio world passed me the contact details of Yuri Martaski, a journalist based in Kiev. At a time when truth is far stranger and decidedly more disturbing than fiction, I knew I wanted to talk to him, to understand the perspective of a fellow journalist, yet one who was on ground, living through that chaos. Welcome to the True Fiction Project, a podcast series that explores the origins of fiction. Every week, we begin with an interview, nonfiction, followed by a creative piece, fiction, inspired by something from the interview. The idea is to demonstrate, of course, that fiction is born out of our life experiences. Now, here's your host, storyteller, author, public speaker, health and wellness expert, Renita Hora. I reached out to Yuri, requesting a time to talk in the coming days. He responded immediately, saying there was no certainty that he might even be alive in the coming days, or that anyone else might. The time to talk was now. I was able to set up a Zoom call the next day. It was brief, yet very meaningful. And it hit me that at times like now, even journalists will become soldiers. A little more than a week ago, uh, at Thursday last week, uh, at five o'clock in the morning, I was woken up by uh, by rockets and by fire, uh, by blasts all around my house. It was the start of the war. It was the start of an undeclared and provoked war by Putin and his bloody bastards. Uh, it was one of the difficult, uh, one of the hardest days of my life. Uh, I even went to work. I was a journalist before. I even went to work and I even have my radio show. After that, I I came home, I came back to my home and uh, uh, I have, you know, my, my inner struggle in me because uh, I couldn't decide for a while what, uh, what should I do. Because I have my, my personality, my soul split into, into two. My first personality as a journalist said to me, you should stay aside because you're a journalist. You couldn't take arms in your hands because it's against your, because it's against all rules, because you always, uh, always tried to stay away from, from these, these things. You never, you never uh, ever in your life uh, 
took guns in your hands. So you you should stay you should stay aside. But another part of my personality, another part of my soul, my citizen part of my soul, it said to me, no, you know, it's time to it's time to decide. This is your country. This is your people. This is your freedom. This is your independence. This is you under uh, you are under danger. Your loved one under danger. Your country is uh, is invaded by 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 bloody horde. So it's not time to to play the game to play the games uh, about. Oh, I'm I'm the journalist. I I can't take arms. I can't uh, uh, should kill people. Everyone can. If if it comes to to you, if it comes to your family, if it comes to your country, everyone can and everyone should to defend. Everyone should defend your country. Everyone everyone should defend your family. So I uh, I took my my helmet with a huge letters press on it because I was a war journalist for a while for long years. I was a was a war journalist and I took a black uh, a black marker of my daughter. And I, you know, I painted black all this, all this uh, white letters press on it. So it's now, it's no, now it's not press, uh, press helmet. Now it's war helmet. So and after that, I came to to uh, headquarters of one of the uh, territorial defense forces here in Kiev and Ukraine, and volunteered to to become a soldier in a. Uh, in these forces of the Ukrainian army, and they gave me assault rifle, and they sent me to the positions, and uh, I'm here for more than a week with my comrades. We are here. We are armed. We are prepared to to fight uh, to fight this court. Though not originally from Kiev, Yuri had been living and working there for many years already. My native city, my my place of birth, is city of Kharkiv. This is one of uh, uh, cities which is uh, uh, which is hit most hardly by by Russian mercenaries, by Russian forces, by Russian missiles, by Russian artillery. Uh, but for a long years, I was working and living in Kiev, so it was uh, it was my choice to 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 become volunteer in here in, in the city where I live, in the city where I where I worked and where I, where I work to to protect my city, to protect my home, to protect the people with whom I, I work, to protect the people people who are all around me. Where we just, you know, right now we just like a family. All 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 of people in here just family. For example, uh, we are on our people who are living around our positions. There are still a lot of people here in in Kiev, not of the people evacuated. There are hundreds of thousands of people still in Kiev, civilian people who are, you know, you should understand that only yesterday it was more than 10, uh, more than 10 rockets and artillery barrage uh, targeting Kiev. There are every few minutes there are new and new and new dead Ukrainians, not in Kiev, not only in Kiev, but all, all, all around Ukraine. So people who are even uh, close to our positions, they know that we are here and everyone's, everyone wants to help us. Everyone wants to help us. So some people came with us with pillows to make our sleep comfortable, more comfortable. Some people came with us uh, to, to us. We were, you know, preparing some food 
Some people came to us with uh, medicines. Uh, we have uh, a guy in, who lives in a, in a house near to us. Uh, he's uh, in his 80s and he's very, very poor guy. He's very, very poor old man. He has nothing at all in his home except his cat and his teapot. So, but he is so fond of us. He's so fond of, uh, you know, of, of this situation. He's uh, in such need of uh, to, to help uh, to help us so he makes us the cheapest coffee or the cheapest tea he can he can he he, he buys it for by his own money it's not a big money he's really really poor guy and he makes a coffee for us he makes a tea for us to bring and bring this to us because he wants to, to you know to take part in it to to take part in defending the country you should understand that it's 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 a you know it's a struggle it's a patriotic struggle there are whole nation whole nation is struggling not only me and my comrades not only soldiers not only officers not only volunteers it's you know it's a it's a whole nation is is in at war now yuri told me how he had tried to keep his family together and protected but while some had escaped to relative safety the others were still in danger uh, my daughter is um, uh, is uh, uh, in Europe. She left uh, two vacations uh, a week before the war started. But my parents now in Kharkiv under the fire, under the rocket fire and under the artillery fire. We're still in Kharkiv. I tried to to, evacu- to evacuate them to the western part of the Ukraine. But I failed because uh, it's really hard to now to to leave Kharkiv, where old people where um, don't really move well. My mother is uh, um, is uh, almost uh, can't walk by herself, you know. So it's 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 really complicated to uh, to to evacuate people with such a, such a diseases. His words got me wondering about all sorts of things. What were Yuri's elderly parents going through in their own home? They must be anxiety-ridden, deathly scared. Was it even appropriate to ask how safe they were? No, uh, you should understand. Everyone from Western countries asks me, and uh, everyone, every journalist, every every guy and every girl asks me, are you safe? Are you in a safe place? Are your parents in a safe place? There is no such Think like a safe place in Ukraine. There is no such a thing like a safe place in Ukraine. Every place is unsafe here because Russians have cruise missiles. We have uh, ballistic missiles. They have uh, huge a lot of tons of uh, artillery pieces all around uh, the major cities of Chernihiv, of uh, Zaporizhia, of Kharkiv, of Kiev. No one is safe in here. You should understand. No one is safe. Everyone is under attack right now. So this is my this is my call to people of the West, guys. Everyone could be a hero, and everyone should be a hero. And you, you can be a hero without even taking guns in your hands. You should do it. You should ask. You should demand, not ask. You should demand from your from your governments. You should demand from your statesmen, from all these guys in uh, huge cars and expensive suits to 
to establish no-fly zone over Ukraine, to protect Ukrainian civilians. You should understand that every minute, every minute Ukrainian dies, every minute kid dies, woman dies, you know, every minute. And you can protect them, you. You, the people who are watching this, the people who are listening to this, you can protect, you can save lives. You can immediately, you must immediately took the streets and demand the no-fly zone. If they, for some reasons, for some reasons, they want to, dis they don't want to disturb Putin. I don't know why they don't want to disturb such a bloody bastard. But okay, if they don't want to disturb Putin and establish the no-fly no zone over Ukraine, okay, just give us, please, some kind of, I don't know, Patriot rockets, anti-rocket uh, systems, another anti-rocket system. Give us, please, you have uh, in NATO's countries, you have a lot of uh, a lot of old Soviet fighter jets, which uh, our pilots familiar with, you know, give it, uh, give it to us, give it to us, these planes. For, for you, these Soviet old planes is junk, but for, for us, you know, it's, it's our salvation. So took the streets. Take the streets right now. Go away. Don't sit it before your laptops, before your TV sets. You need to protect. You can do it. You can be a hero. You can save lives right now. As far as Yuri is concerned, that's the first thing that needs to be done. In fact, he wasn't too keen to talk about a second or third thing. Let's start with the first thing. Every, uh, every other thing we can do by ourselves. We, we just want you to protect civilians. We're killing civilians. We're targeting civilians. This is the war of the destruction, you know? We want Ukrainians to stop to stop living. We, we, we don't want us to, to be here on, the, on this planet. That's why we're killing civilians. That's why we're bombing hospitals, schools, kindergartens, and so on, and so on, and so on. You should stop them, and you could stop them. All of you can do it right now. You are voting, you are paying your taxes, so it's time for your votes and for your taxes to, to work. It's, start to, 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 it's time to, to, to do something. It's time to do your best. If you don't do it, so you, you can sell, you can, uh, you can ally yourself with Putin. You can ally yourself with occupants. You can ally yourself with the murderers, with all these bloody bastards. Where are you right now, Yuri? Are you in, in your Kiev. house? But in your no, house? I'm not, no, I'm not in my house. I left my house uh, more than a week ago. Now I'm on a position to, close to, to my comrades. Uh, I didn't allow, allow, to, allow to, to, to go to, to, my, to my house because I'm a soldier now. I, I can't go uh, without permission. And it, it's really hard for me to, to get to, uh, to other part of a uh, of, uh, city uh, for a for a few security reasons, I can't, I can't go where. That's why I'm here with my comrades. Are you able to go out on the streets? Are you going out on the streets? Like what is? Of course, of of course. But uh, uh, I can go out, and uh, uh, we even have few cars uh, here in uh, in our positions. Uh, and uh, one of my duties here is to uh, is to guide uh, uh, foreign journalists who are coming to to Kiev to to observe and to cover what's going on in here. So I have a car. It's not my car. It's a car which, which was given to us by volunteers, you know. And so uh, a few, every day I have a few uh, TV crews or uh, newspaper journalists with whom I 
right uh, around uh, around my part of uh, of a key which this part of a key where where is my my position is located helping foreign journalists that in itself has to be a tricky thing free speech after all may be another casualty of the russia ukraine situation in order to control what the Russian public knows about the invasion of Ukraine, President Vladimir Putin has signed a law that imposes stiff sentences on journalists who air what he deems to be false information. How old is your daughter, Yuri? She will be 17 next week. She'll be 17 next week. She must be quite concerned, quite worried that she can't... Yeah, of course, of course, of course. But I'm trying to comfort her. I'm, I'm telling you that uh, everything is okay. And uh, uh, for sure that everything will be okay. We will win anyway. We will win anyway. But, uh, you know, there is a question. We will win uh, with huge losses of uh, civilians if NATO yeah. wants, you know, intrude. Okay, it would be, you know, it would be on the, uh, it would be counted as, you know, as a fail for uh, uh, for people of a free world, but they didn't protect these people. Okay, uh, this is one scenario. The second scenario is we are winning with the help of, uh, of NATO and we are saving a lot of lives of the civilian, but we are winning anyway. There is, it is no question that we will, we will lose. It's, it's uh, uh, you know, it's uh, out of discussion anyway. Clearly, it wasn't just Yuri's immediate family that was on his mind. He is concerned about the people of Ukraine at large. More than that, he's concerned about all of the people of the free world. He believes that this is the start of a much larger cause, a much larger war, something that the entire world needs to step up and get involved with. I would like to tell you what, you know, we are not fighting for Ukraine only. This is not a war against only Ukraine. This is a war against whole civilization. We are doing, I mean, the Russians were, were doing just like Nazis. We're killing people only, only because these people don't want to be Russians too. So next, if, if we fail, we will come to you. So it's, it's not only in our interests, but it's also in your interest to to help Ukraine. So please do it. President Vladimir Zelensky and others have called for NATO to impose a no-fly zone over Ukraine to counter the threat from Russian military aircraft. But President Vladimir Putin of Russia has warned that any nation that tries to impose a no-fly zone over Ukraine would in effect be participating in the armed conflict raising the threat of Russian retaliation. For now, NATO leaders have rejected the idea of a no-fly zone, out of fears that it could lead to a full-fledged war in Europe. In Mr. Zelensky's eyes, NATO's refusal to take such a step has given Russia a green light to continue the war. A war which for Yuri and his comrades has been greenlit for some time now. This episode of The True Fiction Project serves to convey Yuri Martoski's appeal to the public to take to the streets in an effort to help convince NATO to help Ukraine by first of all establishing that no-fly zone. 
I reached out to two of our regular writers to ask them if they would take the time out of their weekend to listen to my conversation with Yuri and write a fiction piece in response. They both responded immediately asking for the audio. Here is Parker James with Mornings in the Metro. I was woken up again to the sound of the biggest fireworks going off. At least that's what mom and dad keep telling me. I know it's not fireworks. Once again, my mother has forced me out of my warm bed. In a rush, the fireworks grow in volume, and I can just barely make out the screams of the neighborhood. Once again, in the middle of the night, she makes me throw on my boots, coat, hat, scarf, gloves, and extra socks. It seems like she dresses me in everything we still have left. Mom and Dad pretty much gave away everything to the soldiers that keep coming by. Seems like once a day. I know my mom and dad are cold as they rush me out of our house and down into the old metro station. The fireworks keep popping off as my dad picks me up and runs me down into the tunnel. He drops me on the ground and runs after mom. Moments later, they come down and hug me. Mom hums this lullaby that grandma used to sing. I haven't heard much about her in the past week. Mom and dad hold and hug me as the fireworks cause the ceiling to shake. Dust and old tiles fall down, and every time Rat is about to fall back asleep, I hear the soft cry of someone that got hit with one of those stained white tiles. It's weird to wake up in the metro. Last week I would have been here with a full belly, my wrinkled uniform that mom would always scorn me for, waiting for the number 24 train. Dad used to walk me here, and would always wait until the doors closed and I was on my way. The biggest smile was on both of our faces. As my train left, he would always be running off to get his train to work. I haven't been to school in over a week, nor uh, have I had more than cold sandwiches passed out by the nice ladies in uniforms for breakfast. Mom and Dad haven't said exactly why, but I overhear their frantic phone calls from the other room. Always the same conversation. Something about Russians, Putin, NATO, and something called the no-fly zone, or some bad words Mom would smack my bum for if I repeated them. I always, always hear them ask if we're safe. I don't think we are. Dad is the toughest, strongest, bravest man in our neighborhood. Got those evil cats out of our house after we came back from seeing Grandma. He always gets the disgusting nightmare spiders out of our house without even flinching. He didn't even cry when Mom dropped that heavy pot on his bare foot. Now, every time we wake up together in the ice-cold metro station, hiding from the fireworks, he has tears in his eyes. Every morning in the metro, my feet feel like ice. My side always hurts. The nice ladies who pass out sandwiches give us a big blanket and a couple of pillows, but the hard tile floors prove to be a stronger adversary. As the nice ladies and the big strong soldiers give us the all clear to leave, I see more houses destroyed, caved in like the snow forts my friends and I would build every Christmas break. Sometimes during our walk, Dad covers my eyes and tells me to cover my ears. I smell pennies and rotten eggs and hear muffled screams. Never thought I would miss school. Never thought I would miss bedtimes. I miss my friends. Tomorrow's my 11th birthday. Last week, I was begging mom and dad for this little remote control fighter jet. Now I get a brief view of a life-size one before dad and mom run me back to the metro. Author's note. Hey, this is Parker James here. Um, This story might be fiction, but the sad truth is that for too many people living in Ukraine right now, 
Uh, something like that is the reality. So no matter where you live, we can help. If you have some money to spare, uh, donate for some food, medicine, weapons, ammunition, literally anything, uh, just give it to the right people. Make sure you're the right charities are, you know, given out where they need money. Uh, and I know that money is tight for a lot of people right now. So just if you can't donate any money, annoy the crap out of your local leaders through phone calls, tweets, emails, or even just visiting their office directly. NATO can drag its feet about getting the Ukrainians the help that they need, but it doesn't mean that we have to. For anyone that's in Ukraine that might hear this, the safety of your families, your homes, your cafes, your communities, your gardens, your country is in our hearts and prayers. Give Putin and his stupid war hell. And here is Angelika Sharma with Dear Papa, a letter from her daughter to her father in Kiev. Dearest Papa, how are you? Are you okay? My body aches with fear for you. I wish I had never come to Portugal last week. My stomach is tied in knots as I watch the news of all the bombs, grenades, and bullets raining down on Ukraine. It's not fair. I'm scared, Papa. Scared for you and scared for Babusia and Dedus. Scared for our home. They are bombing everything. They bomb the hospital, elementary schools, and buildings with women and children in them. How can they do that? Are we not human beings? Are we just rats to Putin? Mama told me that you decided to stay in Kiev and fight. I thought you were going to keep reporting news for the radio, but you said you've taken up arms to defend our country from Russian criminals. Mama told me you took my black marker and colored away the white press letters from your black helmet. Your press helmet is now your war helmet. It made me cry to imagine you coloring the helmet, preparing for battle with my marker. It feels like I was with you. If I had any idea Russia would attack us like this, I wouldn't have left for Portugal last week. I'm scared for you, Papa. I'm praying for your safety every minute. Praying these bombs will stop soon and our people will stop dying. Next week is my birthday. How can I turn 17 without you by my side, Papa? I can't live without you. Who will help me with my math and chemistry homework? Who will hug me when I'm sad? All I want is for us to all be together, at home. Mama will make borscht. I will bake the pasca. I will need you to knead the dough properly in the end. It is hard for me to do it by myself. Little Yuri will set the table. We'll light the candles and eat hot borscht and pasca, still warm from the oven. Little Myra will be begging for some sausage. Mama and you will drink too much wine and we will all laugh uncontrollably about something silly. That's a birthday. I will not turn 17 or 18 or any other age until we can all be together again. Next week, my friends and I are planning something special. I may not have a gun like you and your comrades, Papa, but we will fight for Ukraine in our own way. We are organizing a huge march to the NATO headquarters in Brussels. We are also sharing the plan on social media so teenagers from all across Europe can join us to demand justice for Ukraine. NATO must declare Ukraine a no-fly zone. We will demand, beg, and cry for justice for Ukraine. The skies above Ukraine must be closed. 
Our brave people will fight for our country, but we cannot defend ourselves from attacks from the sky. We already have 2,000 people who have committed to coming, and I'm sure over the next few days, many more will join. Last night, I dreamt of that time when I was six and had lost my favorite doll, Alyosha. I was crying bitterly. Everyone said, don't worry, we can get you another one. But you, Papa, understood my tears. You picked me up and we went back to the park to look for Alyosha. When we saw him on the ground below the slide, I was so happy. I cried happy tears. The tears went only because I was reunited with my favorite doll, but also because you were the best Papa in the world. You understood how important Alyosha was to me, and that made me feel loved. I understand how important this resistance to Russia is. I understand how important it is to protect our home. I understand how important it is to fight against this injustice and stop this unfair attack on freedom. I will fight from the outside, Papa, and I will get the world to join us. I love you. Yours, Natalka. This is Renita Hora. In putting together this Ukraine special emergency appeal episode for the True Fiction Project, I believe we have woken up once again to a time when truth, as I said at the opening, is far stranger and decidedly more disturbing than fiction. As I think about Yuri's 17-year-old daughter, I myself am taken back to my 15, 16, 17-year-old self in the mid-80s when I would try to make sense of Sting's lyrics, which I am glad that he finds relevant once again. In Europe and America There's a growing feeling of hysteria Conditioned to respond to all the threats And the rhetorical speeches of the Soviet Thank you for listening to The True Fiction Project with Renita Hora. Be sure to subscribe to the newsletter to receive more inspiring stories showing how fiction is born from our everyday experiences. For more information, visit www.truefictionproject.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.